Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? All right, today we're going to talk about how we can find out and how much we can find out and what it takes to get there. So let's say in this case, I want to find out at a level of seven. Okay, so I find that level on my graph and I come horizontally to my gradient line. Where it intersects with my gradient line, I'm going to come straight down to where it intersects with my round line. That there is going to tell me how much I have to around to find out what I need to find out. See, as you can see, the more you around, the more you're going to find out. And also, if you stay down here and you never around, you'll never find out. So I hope this lesson is helpful. Thank you. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Hey, hey, welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program. Remember to get our podcast, Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening material. Uh, just search for us and then put us on your phone. Put us on your tablet. It's so nice to take along. So an hour is boiled down to about 40 minutes. Podcast producer Bob Sloan does a great job. It is available for you. Give us a like, a follow, a, a five-star review, and maybe share with a triggered leftist in your life. That's how we change the world, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, so in the world of how it's going and uh, or, or how it started, basically, and how it's going now, this is a great story of bandwagoning and the boomerang effect of realizing, oh, fudge, maybe I shouldn't done that. Sort of like how quick everybody was to put the Black Lives Matter signs in their yard, right? Maybe I ought to kind of wait and see how this works out. Maybe I shouldn't jump on that so fast. Said no liberal ever. I'm going to tie a blue and yellow ribbon around my tree. Well, you might want to figure out what Ukraine is really up to. uh, Because yesterday we told you it's a pretty hot market for organ harvesting. That's gross. Factual. This involves college students. Really smart ones. So how it started is this headline. 31 Harvard organizations blame Israel for Hamas attack. Entirely responsible. Listen to this. More than 30 Harvard University student organizations are holding Israel, quote, entirely responsible, rather, for Hamas's mass slaughter, sparking outraged condemnation and calls by a congresswoman for the Ivy League school to denounce the abhorrent and heinous support of evil and terrorism. In a letter titled, Joint Statement by Harvard-Palestine Solidarity Groups on the Situation in Palestine, 31 student organizations, including the Ivy League's affiliate of Amnesty International, condemned Israel, even as its residents, at the point of this New York Post article's writing, even as its residents are kidnapped and more than 700 have been killed by the terrorist organization. What's the death toll up to? A couple, couple thousand now? The groups claim Hamas's attack, quote, did not happen in a vacuum. 
and that the Israeli government had forced Palestinians to live in an, quote, open-air prison for over two decades. This is according to the letter obtained by the New York Post. We, the undersigned student organizations, hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence, the letter reads. The apartheid regime is the only one to blame. Okay, so that's how it started. And it's really not going that well for these folks. (laughs) Because now you're having um, serious pushback. Here's your article. A dozen CEOs back Bill Ackman's call to not hire anti-Israel Harvard students. Man! Here's the story. At least a dozen business executives have endorsed Bill Ackman's call to refuse to hire members of student groups at Harvard that signed on to a letter blaming Israel for Hamas's deadly attack last Saturday that killed more than 1,200 people, including at least 22 Americans. This was published yesterday about 6.30 p.m., so the numbers are probably, sadly, updatable. Jonathan Newman, who's the CEO of salad chain Sweetgreen, was among a group of business honchos who seconded Ackman in urging that the signatories of the letter circulated by a coalition of 34 Harvard student groups that hold the Israeli regime entirely responsible for all unfolding violence be blocked. Quote, I'd like to know, so I would never hire these people, Newman wrote in response to Ackman's post on X. Same, said David Duell, the CEO of healthcare services firm Easy Health, who wrote in response to Newman, the backlash and possible blacklisting has led to a flurry of backpedaling by four of the initial student organizations attached to the inflammatory statement, while board members of other groups have quit in an effort to distance themselves. Why would you jump on board something in the heat of such horror that would put you out there in the ethos in such a a bold and despicable way. Who are these groups? Well, I did some digging. This is the problem with higher education. Every school has like 400 groups. Anybody and his brother can have a group on campus. So these are the pro-Hamas Harvard groups that signed the letter. Hopefully, hopefully, our children aren't involved in any of these. How about the African-American Resistance Organization? The Bengali Association of Students at Harvard College. Harvard Act on a Dream. I love how they wrap it up in names that don't suck, right? Harvard Arab Medical and Dental Student Association. Harvard Chan Muslim Student Association. Harvard Chan Students for Health Equity and Justice in Palestine. Harvard College Pakistan Student Association, Harvard Divinity School Muslim Association. I could go on and on because that was just maybe the first eight. And there are more than 30. All of these groups, right? I thought the Democrats were all about us coming together about this big, this big bubbling cauldron of flavor and culture and backgrounds and difference and All of these things, the flavor of your land and my culture coming together, that's what equity and love and inclusion are all about. No, what it is, 
It's a segmenting. It's a fragmenting. A fissuring of people into these little groups where people allegedly find some kind of belonging, but it's a belonging to what? Suck? So late Tuesday, 17 other Harvard groups joined about 500 faculty and staff and 3,000 others in signing a counterstatement. Attacking the other group's letter is completely wrong and deeply offensive. This is according to the campus paper, the Harvard Crimson. Aren't you so tired of groups and people who, whose opinions you don't really care about, neither do I? Thinking that they can insert themselves in the middle of something particularly so horrendous as this. I mean, war is horrendous. But Hamas when it went and did extra. They were savage barbarians. There's no, there's no defense of that. Yeah, well, they were pushed. You know, they were pushed. The United States decided to plop this, you know, people, Israel, we'll call it right here, take land from the Palestinians and then just basically saying, deal with it. You know, oh, well, what? And so now this is even better. We started with how it started, how it's going now. These Harvard students are scrambling to take back their support for Hamas. No, 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 no. I didn't read what they were pushing out. See, I was just part of my club, and um, I didn't know my club was was going to do that. It's sort of like Steve Scalise saying, "Wait a minute. I mean, I know I equated myself to you know David Duke minus the baggage, and I went to a white supremacy conference, but I I didn't know that's what it was." Um. Ought you not? I mean, don't you read? You're Harvard, after all. A flurry of Harvard University students in groups now desperately trying to backtrack on their support of a letter, blaming Israel for the mass slaughter of its own people as some business titans seek to blacklist them from future jobs. I don't want you people working for me either. Four of the initial 34 student organizations attached to the inflammatory statement have already withdrawn their support while board members of other groups have quit to distance themselves. Late Tuesday, 17 other Harvard groups joined about 500 faculty and staff and 3,000 others signing the counterstatement, attacking the group, saying it's completely wrong, deeply offensive, blah, blah, blah. A third letter now from nearly 160 faculty members also ripped Harvard's response to the scandal, writing that, quote, it can be seen as nothing less than condoning the mass murder of civilians based only on their nationality. Others in groups supporting the initial letter, which held the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the unfolding violence, quit while distancing themselves from any kind of involvement. As a board member of a Harvard group that signed that letter, that statement on Israel, I think it was egregious and I have resigned from my role, said one chick. I'm sorry for the pain this has caused, the law students continued. My organization didn't have a formal process, and I didn't even see the statement until we had signed on. Isn't that the problem? So I'm going to join on when it feels like the winds of public sentiment are at my back. 
I'm going to signal my virtue because that's what I've learned in my sucky education. At Harvard and at Columbia and at Penn and some other schools as well that we're going to get to, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, this is predictable. Is this really a good time to be virtue signaling? I'm going to go with no. How about the $50 million University of Pennsylvania benefactor who is demanding now that the university president be fired? See, it's not just the students stepping in the excrement pie. It's the presidents of these schools. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Why is it that all of these institutions of quote-unquote higher learning of suck are stepping into such terrible messes? Because we've become a population more interested in the wave of social sentiment on our stupid cell phones, on clicks and likes and follows and shares, and I can be as guilty as the next guy, then we are in teaching actual subjects that benefit the students who go there. And what we're also seeing is we're, we're seeing stu- students who've been allowed to fail through various echelons, various benchmarks of education in the public school system. Because I got to tell you, this doesn't happen in the Catholic schools. I have five kids who are Catholic school educated. Why doesn't this happen in those sorts of environments? Hmm. Here's your headline. Apollo CEO Mark Rowan demands University of Pennsylvania leaders resign over failure to condemn Hamas terror. Quote, close the checkbooks. You know, the bud lighting of certain colleges and universities is well underway because this dude, the Apollo CEO, who I'm unfamiliar with, well, University of Pennsylvania has got 50 million reasons to know who he is. That's what he and his wife wrote them as a check. Can you imagine that? Yeah, you probably don't want to tick him off. Here's your story. One of the University of Pennsylvania's biggest benefactors called on alums of the Ivy League school to, quote, close the checkbooks over the college's failure to condemn Hamas terror attacks on Israel weeks after it held a controversial pro-Palestinian festival. Apollo Management CEO Mark Rowan, a graduate of Wharton who, along with his wife, donated $50 million to the business school in 2018, demands that University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill and Scott Bach, the chair of the Board of Trustees, step down, according to a letter obtained by the New York Post. You don't represent our values. It's amazing the awakening that that true events force us to have. It was like Jake Tapper yesterday on CNN. He was like, had this epiphany. Wait, what? Liberals don't like Jews? They're, they're not supporting the Jews? What's going on? He was surprised by this. Really? The letter sent to the school's newspaper, the Daily Pennsylvanian, pointed to last month's festival that included writers who've called for death to Israel as a, quote, troubling sign that the vaunted school tolerate, tolerates anti-Semitism. You think? 
quote, it took less than two weeks to go from the Palestine Rights Literary Festival on UPenn's campus to the barbaric slaughter and kidnapping of Israelis, wrote Rowan, who's chairman of the Board of Advisors of Wharton. President McGill's allowing of UPenn's uh, students and faculty to be associated with this conference and her failure to condemn this hate-filled call for ethnic cleansing normalized and legitimized violence that ranged from the targeting of Jewish Jewish students in spaces here at UPenn to the horrific attacks in Israel. McGill has remained silent about Saturday's terror attack, instead posting on Instagram about Penn's recent football game and Monday's Columbus Day holiday, posted a photo saying it's time to recognize and honor native and indigenous people and celebrate their culture, but nothing about Hamas. How about some mention of the devastating devastations going on in Israel? One user asked. Another student wrote, please support your Jewish and Israeli students. Rowan noted the sickening parallels between events at Penn and at Harvard, where several student groups blamed Israel for last weekend's Hamas massacre. I call on all UPenn alumni and supporters who believe we're heading in the wrong direction to close their checkbooks. Until McGill and Bach resign, he wrote. Now, on the one side, do I really think university presidents should be weighing in per se on things like this? I don't know. We could probably have a healthy conversation about that. Can can we just get into the, the basics of education rather than indoctrination, other than politicization, other than social justice activism, other than bowing at the altar of all things woke and silly? Shouldn't we be focused on creating the finest thought leaders in this country? Alas, that's no longer what school is about, my friends. Uh, As the uh, Penn State University is about to find out, they are finding out, I got audio that will blow your mind. Can you believe the president of Penn State referred to Riley Gaines as a bigot? What? Wait for it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. You know, Riley Gaines never wanted to be an activist. The University of Kentucky swimmer, champion, who has swum against Will Thomas, a.k.a. Leah Thomas, was forced into that position because of Crazy Town USA. Because universities such as the aforementioned University of Pennsylvania decided to farcically embrace woke nonsense and pretend that you can be whatever you want to be. I mean, you could be a girl, whatever. Men can be women and women can be men and we're going to live in this crazy place that is completely indefensible and completely on the shoulders of the left. So when she swam against this dude who was 437th in the country as a dude who quickly became number one as a chick, she had to speak up. And so she got involved. And she's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're putting women in danger. Men who say they're women who want to play soccer can really fudge up a woman and hurt her playing basketball, soccer, anything, right? 
swimming in the pool. We're going to make excuses. We're all going to fall over ourselves because that's what the wave of woke is telling us is what's hot right now. Well, what's hot isn't what's right. And so Riley Gaines decided to become an advocate for women, for your daughters, mine, if I ever was lucky, lucky to have one, which I was not. But last time I checked, I am a girl and I do advocate for things that are reasonable for women. So amazing that the whole women's lib movement, all the vagina hat women, all of the Me Tooers out there who were crowing about Brett Kavanaugh, right? Silent on a dude invading their space, walking around naked in their space, their locker rooms and whatnot. Enough is enough. So Riley Gaines was invited to go to Penn State University, come and speak on campus. Well, the president of the university apparently wasn't thrilled with that. And she wasn't apparently allowed to come and speak. And I want you to get the backstory on this and hear the audio sound bites from the president of the university who's going to come out and she's going to put out a video and she's going to talk about free speech, First Amendment rights. Everybody has an entitled constitutional protection, right? To say what they want. You have the ability to disagree. You have the ability to strongly voice your opposition to it. And she encourages all people to do that. But I want to remind you that Riley Gaines was invited to go to that campus to talk about the insanity of trans issues as they relate to female sports and women in general. Why would you not want to have a conversation about that? Well, unless you're a liberal who sucks and, you know, case closed on the president of Penn State. But I want you to hear the sound. Because Riley Gaines believes that women's spaces are for women and women ought to be protected and that it's not safe, she's a bigot. That's beyond the pale. You're saying to yourself, there's no way. There's no way. Well, really? Here is this lady. She's, she's really quite interesting. She steps in a steaming pile of excrement And she's going to come out as the president of Penn State University and try to explain to the students, look, we understand there's going to be some hurt feelings here. This bigot has been called to come to our campus and you might not like it, but I'm going to explain to you why she's coming. Go. I have no doubt that we will once again encounter speakers that many will consider controversial, either because their views are not widely held or because a speaker espouses ideas that are actively hateful. I share the concern of those who believe the messages spread by some individuals are not only offensive, but deeply hurtful. And again, I stand in unity with those who condemn such speakers and their rhetoric. You may ask if so many individuals, including the president of the university, find these speakers so objectionable Why can't we just ban them from our campuses? First, as a public university, Penn State University is bound by the First Amendment. What does this mean? The First Amendment is the law in our country that protects citizens from government censorship or punishment for speech or ideas that the government does not approve. 
Can you guys even believe that she's explaining to people in a video with an audio track of like Mr. Rogers neighborhood behind it what the freaking First Amendment is all about? Maybe that's problem number one. Because we have people like that. Nellie Bendapudi. I'm going to remind you, this lady makes $950,000 a year as a base salary as the president of Penn State. And she also makes three hundred fifty grand a year in annual supplemental retirement contributions. And she's going to tell you, you know, we have this thing called the First Amendment. And even though I find it reprehensible with people who I disagree with say, with, as a public institution with the nice syrupy music in the background, we have to let these people talk. Not, I strongly stand with anybody who speaks their mind. Because the First Amendment isn't just about protecting those we agree with. It's about protecting those we disagree with. Bendy, or Nellie Bendapudi, whatever your name is. She's going to go on, though. She's going to get the poo all over her shoe, and she's going to try to wipe it off. But she's in it. She's in it. It's all around her, right? She's going to say, we fight censorship. Right? We fight censorship. Listen. (laughs) Without the First Amendment, your access to information would be threatened. Your voice could be censored or silenced, and your internet use could be filtered. We are often asked, why do these speakers have to receive money from funding boards when a student group brings them to campus? Again, remember, student boards are part of our public institution, which means a government-funded entity. And these boards must allocate funding in a manner that is viewpoint neutral. The second reason we permit these speakers to come to our campuses is a moral one. For centuries, higher education has fought against censorship, believing that the best way to combat bad ideas is with better ideas, bad speech with more speech. We all wish to be on a campus where we are free to express our own beliefs and perspectives. But restricting the speech of one group or individual jeopardizes everyone's rights because the same laws or regulations used to silence bigots Ah! can be used to silence you. Used to silence bigots! Here she is talking to you like you're a mental midget, okay? We have to do this, right? With the soft, campy music. Maybe this is why all of school sucks. Why would you ever want your son or daughter to be a part of an institution that believes a woman, Riley Gaines, speaking on behalf of women and reality and sanity and actual science would make her a bigot? or a danger, or some kind of a threat. Because you know exactly what this cat did, right? They rescinded Riley Gaines' invitation to speak on campus. Just too dangerous. But wait, this is the president of Penn State University. She's not done with you yet. She's got to channel that inner liberal that everybody's tapped into here. Look, we know sometimes these people are very hurtful, and you might need help. And we're here for your help. Where's John Kirby with the fake cry? I just, I'm sorry. See, they, they're they so bad at sucking. They're good at it. But they think that, that you're not onto them. 
So she's going to channel her inner leftist who's going to say to you, if you're wounded by somebody's words, I hope you stand up and you fight back. You do that. You go. Audio soundbite three. So what can we do about speakers who come to Penn State to anger, hurt, and incite members of our community? Speak out clearly and firmly against hateful speech as well as other instances of discrimination. Hurtful rhetoric causes real fear and anxiety among our community, and those individuals need your support. And people who are impacted, I hope seek one of the many resources listed at the end of this message. And if you wish to exercise your free speech rights by protesting a speaker, we support you in this action, since rejecting hate-filled speech is the responsibility of everyone. Let us keep ourselves and every member of our community safe as we exercise our free speech rights under the First Amendment. Hey, you suck. That's terrible. My kid just applied to Penn State. Guess where my kid is not going? Penn State. That is your face? Nittany Lyons? That's the person you're going to put your eggs in the basket? You called a woman saying men pretending to be women put women in danger. You call her a harmful instance of discrimination? So basically, your daughters... My friends out there listening, your daughters don't matter to the president of Penn State University who makes $950,000 a year before her $350,000 annual contribution to her 401 freaking K. Your matter, your daughters don't matter as much as the what? Four people walking around campus wearing skirts who clearly are men. This is education. This is college. This is considered value. This is considered anything other than indefensible. So, uh, hey, all you Penn Staters out there, how you doing? How you doing? Well, at least we're not pit. They do crazy stuff on aborted fetuses. True, true. Maybe they all just suck. Maybe that's just it. Go to a trade school. How about that? Sounds much more reasonable, right? All right. Detransitioners. People who've changed their bodies. Right? Well, they're going after the medical establishment that preyed on them. How about this boomerang? It's going to hit them in the face next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So this is a very interesting story and and talk about boomeranging. I'm going to try to find it here. I misspelled it. I've misplaced the uh, the tab here. You know, what they don't tell you about this madness and the mayhem of bandwagoning on something that's so forever destructive. I mean, do you ever just take a step outside of yourself and, and consider what the left proposes to us as a normal society? This is why the former Islamic extremist we featured earlier in the broadcast said it's easy to get on board with the left because they have no values. They don't stand for anything. They go crazy with the winds of 
social justice and all things indefensible. But I mean, is there something that's more troubling right now in this conversation than the idea that your child should leave you after being preyed upon by obviously a grown-up in one of these educational environments that doesn't prioritize education, that doesn't teach children how to think, teaches, teaches them what to think, and grooms them to be the next activist wave of society, that your child would go somewhere and listen to terrible advice and go along with something that physically changes who they are and what they are forever. Because ultimately, the reality of that boomerang comes back to that individual and they're left like Chloe Cole. And the reason why we're talking about this is because there is a group of young men and women who are detransitioning. They are trying to go back to whatever semblance their birth gender, their inherent gender is, and they're pushing back on the medical establishments that lo and behold, all of a sudden now we find out have been preying on them. Well, no kidding. You know, this is one of the, this is the one of the inexcusable parts of the world today, this nonsense that's being pushed out via social media and other go with the flow trends that I just will never get behind. $1.2 million. Are you surprised that these medical institutions that want to beat their chest and call it gender-affirming care as though it's somehow loving and kind to facilitate against a parent's wishes their minor child's physical mutilation forever? Because like a surgeon who bounces from your life after the last stitch is sewn... These aren't the people who manage the mental anguish, the physical symptoms that happen after the fact that detransitioned Chloe Cole has chronicled and has spoken in front of Congress about. I mean, can you imagine? And like Riley Gaines, she would be one of those dangerous voices that the president of Penn State University would warn her student body about. Though while we're bound by the First Amendment to give these people access to communicate with you, we understand that their bigotry and their hatred leaves a mark and we're here to help you with some overpriced medical clinic, I'm sure, of suck. We're creating and allowing people who don't have our values to impact the people who we love the most, our children. And, and that is where the full stop of the Hamas horror for me is. War is between men. War is soldiers fighting soldiers. And that sucks too. But when you invade the peace and the quiet and the laughter of a neighborhood by bombing it 
or by invading it with bulldozers and flooding it with men with rifles. And then you're barbaric. And you mutilate people's bodies. Is there a spectrum of insanity where it's the end? Where that's it? That's the last straw. One would think the beheading of babies would be that full stop. We are so important to our children. We must steer them the right direction. And if that means it's away from Penn State and it's away from Columbia or Harvard or any of these other institutions that prioritize social activism over education, that are willing to ride the wave of public sentiment, the right now of social media fame, of a fad, if they prioritize that over our sons and daughters, how is it any different than how our government prioritizes giving money to terrorists over rescuing people, Americans who are left behind? That is the state of America today. I'm Wendy Bell. Delighted as always to be with you. Wendy Bell Radio Network app. Follow us on the live stream. Get the podcast, but whatever you do, come on back. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace.